Please be seated. Eight days after my 10th birthday, the world's greatest rock and roll band in the history of rock and roll bands released their 15th album. High on recent news of Keith's, yet another one of Keith's exonerations from drug charges in Calgary, the band met back together in both Paris and New York City to record an album that had so many tracks on it that a number were carried over to the, the following album. The title track is an interesting combination from the Stones' typical um, reach back into the music of Americana, the southern blues, combined with a healthy dose of straight-up rock and roll with a little dash of disco in the form of keyboards and saxophones. And the title track of the album tells the story through Mick's falsetto voice of a woman stuck in a relationship, one that is unfulfilling and absent of the love that we all desire to have in our lives that contributes to the good life, to human flourishing. The woman, as Mick sings, was in need of an emotional rescue. Some of you remember the song. The lyrics lead me back towards something that I've been struggling with over the course of the last several weeks. It came to me during the season of Advent, and the struggle persisted through the season of Christmas, and it persists today in the season of Epiphany. What the song itself, along with the readings that we have in Advent and Christmas and Epiphany, lead me to is this reality that there is a soft spot or a broken piece or something that's missing when it comes to my own preaching, my preaching particularly to you as a congregation. If you are around this church week in and week out, and quite frankly, you don't have to be here week in and week out, but if you're around this church from time to time, you have a deep sense that I preach one sermon with many faces. The vast majority of Sundays that I stand in this place or I take the pulpit in this place, I'm speaking to you about the love of God. And when it comes to the love of God, particularly what I would describe as the steadfast love of God, the love that persists from the very beginning of the story all the way to the very end of the story, the love that we are made out of, the very identity of God. And Sunday after Sunday, I remind you that there's nothing you can do or not do, nothing you can say or not say to separate yourself from this 
kind of love, the steadfast love of God. You've heard me tell the story. If you've been here week in and wake out, you've heard me tell the story of this transformational moment that I had in my life in my theology professor's office in seminary, going to him, seeking out a way where I might achieve at a higher level in his class. And he slammed his hand on the desk and he said, Mr. Boss, the grade is always A. Now you will have to work. He was teaching me and I, in telling the story, am seeking to teach you that the work of being a fully embodied person of faith is living into God's love, God's grace, and God's mercy that is ever present in our lives, an inseparable part of our identity. But what mix falsetto lyrics remind me is that I've missed a love that is ever present in the story. It's something that I have failed to teach and preach about over the course of the last several weeks. It's something that I would describe in a relatively inarticulate way. It was so, it's something that I would describe as the rescuing love of God, the rescuing, renewing, refreshing, resurrecting love of God. When we as human beings find ourselves in a place of stuckness, when we find ourselves in the, at the bottom, when we find ourselves in periods of darkness, we most assuredly apply all of our energy into pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, and the only result that we get is putting our boots on. We're still down in that low place because we need something, someone, some other to pull us out of the pit. And when we listen to these stories, that the lectionary provides us today from both Isaiah and Matthew, we hear it. If you are around this place on Christmas Eve, then you know the story that Isaiah and Matthew reference. It's this crazy, obscure story way back toward the front of the Hebrew scriptures of the most unlikely hero in all of Israel, his name is Gideon. He is the weakest man in the weakest tribe of Israel during a time when Israel is occupied and utterly dominated by their enemies. They've been forced out of the land that God has provided them into the mountains, forced to live in caves and unable to cultivate the land, forced only to survive on the substance that the high desert provides them, which we all know is not very much at all. And Gideon in this crazy tale assembles 300, not strong warriors, but 300 of the weakest warriors 
of all defeats the enemies with the rescuing help of God, pushes them out, and allows Israel to reoccupy the land that God has given them. God doing this action with Gideon and the other weak warriors so that we might see from time to time we're in need of a kind of love that we ourselves, no matter our power and intentionality, can't summon on our own. I began to reflect about the experiences of rescuing love that we have in our culture, and my mind immediately goes back to those concrete steps down to the basement of Browse and By, where those of us who struggle with the disease of addiction find in a fellowship a rescuing hand that pulls us out of the depth of our disease and our wrong, false thinking into a place where we are filled with the kind of love and renewal and recovery that though we tried, we were unable to summon on our own. The story itself, as I was thinking about it in my own life, reminded me of a time my junior year of college, an undergrad um, experiencing somewhere in between moderate and severe depression, struggling with anxiety, lost in a place not necessarily suicidal, but certainly not wanting to live for the next day, sitting on my bed, stuffing my duffel bag full of dirty clothes in order to go home for spring break and crying. And my friend Robert, 21-year-old, frat guy, manly man Robert, comes in, sits down on my bed, puts his arm around me, looks me in the eye, and says, Jim, I love you. That, most assuredly, was the rescuing hand of God, pulling me out of the pit to a place where I, could, where I wanted to be, but nevertheless couldn't summon it on my own. If you were around this place last week, you heard the voice of the psalmist. In Psalm 40, a psalm put to song by the third best rock and roll band in the history of rock and roll. Some of you know it. Irish rocker Bono sings. Do you know it? I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to hear my cry. He lifted me out of the desolate pit out of the mire and clay, I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, 
sing a new song. What Isaiah is speaking about, what the evangelist Matthew is looking backward and, and, and referencing, what the psalmist through the voice of Irish rocker Bono is pushing us toward is this concept that Isaiah the prophet and Matthew the evangelist and all the other academics in our Christian culture would, would call the messianic promise. And that's just a fancy word for the rescuing love of God. You see, there are times in our lives as human beings where no matter how hard we try and no matter how much resource we have, no matter the skill set that we have achieved, we need something other, something to pull us out of the pit into a place where we stand in the light and feel comfortable singing a new song. I've seen in my own preaching this weak spot, this soft spot, this broken piece where I haven't talked about and taught about and preached about this second kind of love that the story from the very beginning all the way to the very end preaches. Do we need the steadfast love of God? Absolutely, we do. Putting our effort and energy into understanding that there's nothing we can do or not do, nothing we can say or not say to separate ourselves from the love of God, having this sense that we are beloved is so, so important. But there is this other kind of love too. This other kind of redeeming, resurrecting, renewing, rescuing love that is just as important. Now, if you were around this church last Sunday, you heard Travis preach one heck of a beautiful sermon, right? And Travis led us through this place to make connection with this concept, this spiritual concept of calling. And I most certainly believe that each of us individually, distinctively have our own individual sense of calling. All the voices, all the dialogue, all the separate and different experience that flows into each of our hearts creates this beautiful and unique story that prepares us for something other, something that we're only we are prepared to do in the way that we are prepared to do it. And, 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 not but, and, and I believe, I believe at the bottom of my heart that we are also all called to the same kind of work, 
that we share a calling when it comes to two facets of embodying the Christian faith. The first is the one that I preach about all the time. If you are loved, then your calling is to share that love, to make a love-spreading difference in your family, in your workplace, in your community, in this world. It's a shared calling. It's one that finds its genesis in that place of the steadfast love of the Lord. And I believe we have another calling, another shared calling as well. This one's hard. It's especially hard for me, someone who likes to serve and help and give aid and nurture and care in places that the world needs it. I can become so occupied by that calling, the calling to be a love-spreading difference maker that I forget, and maybe you do too, that I forget that we have a calling as well to be the objects of God's love. That when we find ourselves in that low place, in that dark place, that we are so connected to that calling of being an object of God's love that we can be vulnerable and soft and open enough to receive the hand when it's extended down to us and to allow ourselves to be pulled up into that place of light where we are singing a new song. That calling of being the object of God's love means that there are places where no matter our skill and no matter our position and power, we are unable to rescue ourselves, but we need that loving care coming from somewhere and someone else. Just for the sake of rhetoric, just for the sake of sport, I'll end my sermon this morning with the lyrics from the 42nd best rock and roll band in the history of rock and roll. Don't stop believing. Amen.